Talk Zone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. Welcome to guys at a mic talk zone.com. Thank you very much, Mr. Announcer Man. Thursday version of our 58 minute and 21 second excursion into the sports talk world and more on the docket for today. Of course, the NBA playoffs heat and the Celtics and controversy and a little bit of controversy in the NBA draft lottery as well. Baseball, Sox win, Cubs win again. Haven't said that a whole lot and probably won't the rest of the year either, but it feels good to say. Sox win, Cubs win, again. We'll talk all that and more. We'll jump off the sports page, as we always do. Here are the two guys in a mic show. Phone lines open, 888-463-6748. A little bit of music. And then we will begin this soon-to-be award-winning presentation. Thank you very much, David Olson. You like that uh, term for the show, presentation. Not just a production, but a presentation. That's what we're doing here each and every day, Monday through Friday, five days a week, one hour a day, five in Toto. we got a lot of news and notes, titillating tidbits, too. we got to jump off the, uh, not jump off the sports page, but uh, on the sports page as well, besides baseball and NBA playoffs, the French Open, got the College World Series, one of our favorite events, starting Brazil and U.S. soccer in a friendly, we got the NHL playoffs to talk about, so all kinds of things. We will uh, do our best to get it all done, and again, in the next uh, 58 minutes and some odd seconds. 888-463-6748, the phone number to check in. Give us a call. Now, I did not, unfortunately, as I hit the enter button on our Twitter exchange here, I did not uh, see the Heat versus the Celtics game. But it's amazing when you listen to some of the talk and the banter back and forth. You watch a few highlights, and I watched actually very even few highlights, how you catch a gist for the game. But obviously the Miami Heat victors, they're up 2-0 over the Boston Celtics. But, uh, you know, hopefully we'll get some people calling in. Hopefully the big dog watched the game. But we did hear a lot of controversial calls. Some for, some against, and then uh, in the NBA draft lottery, apparently with the ping pong ball. Some people saying there's a little bit of controversy there. Oh, by the way. Oh, there is. By the way, in the news and notes, titillating tidbits, I mentioned all the other things. Uh, oh, I forgot to mention we also, one of me and Big Dog's favorite topics, the Scripps National Spelling Bee is going on. So we got all that to cover and more, folks. And let me welcome in the uh, voice you just heard, the voice you hear each and every day. Here are the two guys at a mic show. He is a myth. He is a man, and he's a legend. He's all three combined, and he once reportedly did pose in Outdoor Parks and Recreation magazine wearing nothing but a fanny pack. It's my good friend, Joel Redwanski. Big dog, how are you? Yeah, remember to don't have your fanny pack really, really snug. You need it to have a little bit. It needs to be a little <laughs> loose. It'll hang a little bit, if you know what I'm saying, Coach. <laughs> Oh, I can, I can almost predict Cinemax Cindy emailing it and say, are you sure it wasn't a backpack and not a fanny pack? No, that was his back hair. <laughs> oh, big dog, good to talk to you, my friend. I, I I did not watch Heat and Celtic. Everybody talking about it. I'm hoping 
that you did. Otherwise, this is going to be really reactionary sports talk radio. You know, you know. Well, I, I actually, uh, my what do you call it? a guy that is determines whether or not we go out or not uh, determined that it was not nice enough yesterday to go out on the river when it was uh, 65 degrees and sunny. Never mind. I ain't going to get into that. Forget about 200 bucks being ripped out of my pocket for no apparent reason. Uh, yeah, I'm a, I watched the game last night, and you know me, Coach. I do not complain and bitch about the officiating. So even if it's about my team, I save it. Like if there, if I have one bad game, I don't let it bother me. I could care less over one call. I save it up for like national championship games, Illinois versus North North Carolina, when they got absolutely fisted. Yes, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care about other games during a regular season. I don't care about oh, one missed call by an umpire. I don't care about any of that stuff. And I usually, you, know, you have to admit, I'll be, when people call and complain, I'll be like, what about the other 26 plays during the game that cost yes. the Bears or the Cubs? No, I'll, I'll back you up on that, no doubt about yeah, it. You know you are... I'm like that. I, do, yep. I hate when people bitch yep. about officiating, especially yep. as, as an official. And I got, pretty I, difficult. I got a feeling we hear, or I, I'm feeling a butt coming. There's no, well, you know, I'm not biased. So there's no bias in this. So it's not like me complaining about the Cubs or Illinois or, or, or the Bears. So I can be totally objective about this. This is the Heat versus the Celtics. That was ridiculous. It was unbelievable how bad it was. Dwayne Wade slapped somebody in the face and they don't even call a foul on it. Dwayne Wade's the biggest thug in the freaking NBA. He went from being a guy I seriously would, you know, like, was like, would have my kid. I don't have one yet, but pattern their game after about how tenacious and how, well, he's, he's gone from tenacious to downright dirty. How they miss him slapping Rad, Rajon Rondo right in the face is just dumbfounding. And then Rondo was like busy because he just got punched. And then they run the other way. Dwayne Wade kicks Kevin Garnett in the jimmy and he does it so he can slap Rondo in the face, not get called for a foul. And then he can kick Kevin Garnett an inch away from his you-know-what man ram, and they don't, and they don't call anything. <laughs> hey, David, not bad. We're two minutes into the big dog dialect. We've already got fisted. We've got man rammed in the jimmies. That's a heck of a start to the show. I'm a little worried where the end is going to be, but it's a heck of a start. If, if you saw me coming to the hole, you'd be like, ah, <laughs> oh, whatever, I got a little length on this guy. I'm talking about both of us in our prime. Okay, yep. both of us in our prime. Yep. You're a little better basketball player than me. I'm better at every other sport than you. Okay, right. and as I'm coming at you, the fact that you're better at basketball to me makes no difference if the a referee is not going to call the fact that I'm leading with my foot right at your testicles. Okay, Kevin Garnett's hands come down. I'm not blaming Kevin Garnett for not being man enough. I'm blaming Kevin Garnett for being a man and protecting his man jewels instinctually, not even thinking like, oh no, there's a foot coming. Kevin Garnett's hands go down right when Dwayne Wade kicks him right in his jimmy. And then he gets a layup. Oh, what a play by Dwayne Wade! He just kicked a man in his, you know what? Before now, he got a layup. Correct me if I'm wrong. Did he? Did he not only get the basket on that? He got the foul call as well. Yeah, he got the foul call again. Wow, him. that was the, that was going to be the last thing I said. Wow, that was going to be the, so. Kevin Garnett gets a he what? A, Dwayne Wade's probably converse. He's that cheap, isn't he? He's probably a converse athlete, right? Because <laughs> he's, he's, he's that cheap and dirty now. So he, you can walk up to somebody, kick him in the, in the you know, the man jewels, and the guy who gets kicked gets the foul. Because from now on, we have a no, whole new training facility. Forget Derrick Rose's knee. All Derrick, all you have to do is just heal that up, and then when you come back, to start kicking people. They'll, they'll put you on the foul line, Derrick. This is ridiculous. You so, remember the, um, eh, maybe the 
three or four or five games before the end of the regular season, a fairly heated bowl and uh, Miami Heat game, and he and Richard Hamilton got into an exchange right near the Bulls bench, and Dwayne Wade definitely overreacted. I can't remember. Was it a? It was a full out. What did he do? Punt. The way I remember it correctly is this is Richard Hamilton's like second game back after the shoulder. Yeah. And Dwayne Wade walks up to him and slams his shoulder right into uh, Richard Hamilton's shoulder too. If you remember that. That's how it all started. They were just walking back to the benches, and earlier in the game. Dwayne Wade throws like the shoulder into Richard Hamilton, and then later, then it just kept getting uglier and uglier. Mm-hmm. Dwayne Wade went from superstar to angry, bitter individual is yeah. what he's turned into. It's unfortunate. It's unfortunate because we do have to go back a ways, but he is Chicago's very own. No, not anymore. <laughs> I, like, he's, he's he's lost his Chicago privileges. Okay, what well, happened? You know, he can't show up in Cook County because who knows how many how many fraternity uh, suits <laughs> are going on against him right now. Take it easy. Take it easy. You can't tell the truth here. What uh, What happened down the stretch? Miami Heat, uh, did it come down to a final shot? And we know the Heat won the game, but uh, beyond the bad foul calls, how did it come down to I heard LeBron missed some free throws and missed a shot again. All of these bad fouls I'm talking about are at in overtime, Coach, with less than a minute to go in the game. So did the Celtics that, have a – did Boston have a final a shot? What's that? Did the Celtics have a final shot, or at that point was you it know, like they, a – They did, but they were, they were getting hammered. Every time they had a chance, when it was when there was two minutes left in the game, the Celtics had a two-point lead and the ball. Mm-hmm. And then after that, the Heat took out uh, their tridents, their uh, sabers and uh, their full metal blast shields and started playing lacrosse, and somehow they didn't get any calls against them, and the Celtics, everything was called against them. It was I've never seen anything like that in the last minute. Wow. When I've heard people, comp- there's no fan base that has more to complain about than I've seen the Celtics today. It was I was just I was laughing about it. We were like, okay, so Dwayne Wade basically punches Rondo in the face. And then he can kick somebody on the other end. It, it was that bad, and that's in the last minute, Coach. And it was the Celtics were leading at this point, and at the end of regulation, there was foul after foul after foul called on the the Miami Heat. That I was just like, "Are you serious?" Like they they would just go to the hole, and the whistle would blow. Mm-hmm. And on the other end, it looked like the Miami Dolphins were taking on the Patriots. Okay, <laughs> yeah, and I was like, "What? Well, the, the Celtics can't get a foul call." And it, <laughs> I mean, Wes Walker goes to the middle, gets hammered, gets up, puts the ball down, and oh, it's a turnover. It was. Did you see it, Coach? No, like I said, that's why. That's why I'm getting the report from you. It's reactionary sports talk radio in the reverse uh, of the usual roles that we typically play. Uh, any of our NBA fans out there, you want to chime in on the conversation? Eight 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 four six three six seven. Four eight the phone number again triple eight four six three six seven four eight the Heat go up two zero on the Celtics. What was the reaction post game? Did uh, Doc Rivers keep his composure, Big Dog, or was he vehemently upset? Uh, listening to NBA players talk post game is. Are you serious? Those guys are freaking morons. Why I don't listen anymore. Doc Rivers, <laughs> I would listen to, and that's about it. Okay, but I didn't get a chance to. NBA post games are about the most cliche and dumbest things I've, you could ever hear. Mm-hmm. So, so they're the. No, I was talking about like his. What about his reaction right after the game in the heat of the you know, in the heat of the battle, or even in the uh, la- when the calls were made? 
I would have to say that the Celtics kept their poise and thoroughly remained calm until the game was over. The players acted fine. Uh, 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 Rivers like was like, get off the floor, get off the floor, as he was yelling at uh, officials. Mm-hmm. But he, they didn't make a big stink out of it, Coach. Mm-hmm. They didn't overreact. And the players, I don't know, at that point, with like a minute to go, it, they didn't give up, but it was, how are they going to overcome this? They have... Rajon Rondo playing one of the great games in the history. Yeah, of the now tell me about that. I was just about to ask that. I heard Rondo was uh, out of the stratosphere. Was it just the shooting or the rest of his game as well? Well, the fact that the rest of his game is always a total package, uh, great defender, incredible rebounder for a guard, very good assist guy. Well, yesterday he was hitting a shot, and he was hitting it at will. So that that was that he doesn't normally do that. Mm-hmm. He normally scores 14 points after a couple putbacks. You know, like two for eight shooting from the outside, you know, and a couple other. But no, he was all over the place yesterday, that coach. And it's, uh, I mean, it was so blatant, so bad. Like, I wasn't the only one yelling Tim Donaghy. I mean, it was like, it was the worst day that the NBA could have had in terms of everybody blaming them for being uh, a conspiracy league, especially considering that the future owner, not the current owner, but the guy deciding whether or not he wants to buy the New Orleans Hornets, he's the future owner, mind you, the deal's not concluded, all of a sudden that team gets the number one overall draft pick in the draft lottery. When when all the balls are thrown into a room backstage, mm-hmm. okay, when we really don't know what truly happened, so basically you could just shut up. You could just say, all right, hey, Houston, you're number 14. Hey, blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden you're down to the last five. All right, five. Tom Benson's buying this team, blah, blah, blah. And since we're all in it together, it's the NBA, and it isn't about who has the best organization. It's about who could have the lowest payroll, and that's how you make the most money. Uh, let's all get together so we can, you know, have Tom Benson at least have a product down in New Orleans so we can sell some tickets with Anthony Davis. Sim- I mean, similar similar to your point. typical, you know, you don't overreact on uh, officiating. I tend to... Just about shut down all the conspiracy theory things that I hear. I'm, I'm, you know, typically a non-believer in that particular area. But when it does come to the NBA draft lottery, big dog, and you go back to the most famous one, Patrick Ewing, go yeah. to the New York Knicks. Obviously, Derrick Rose. What was it? A seven percent chance yeah. he gets picked by Chicago. There was another one in the past that I'm forgetting. And now, uh, you know, Anthony Davis, who can turn a program around, going to. Basically, the New Orleans Hornets the past year were kind of run by the NBA itself, right? Yeah, it was. It was. And uh, and Tom Benson, and, the guy you mentioned, the potential one, he's the same dude who owns the uh, football team. He owns the New Orleans Saints also. Yeah. And right before the future owner gets them, all of a sudden they get the definitive and clear number one. And, and you yeah. know, we've talked about this before. If you remember, uh, like a few years ago, in the years where there's no clear and definitive number one overall player in the draft, teams like Toronto seem to win the ping pong ball. <laughs> and in years where there's people like Derrick Rose or Patrick Ewing, Chicago <clears throat> or Orlando or New York mm-hmm. win the ping pong ball. Mm-hmm. And don't tell me there's no conspiracy there. And I'm not complaining. Like I said, I am not complaining. Because I'll guarantee you... I. I Cloudy and I were laughing. We're trying to figure out. Oh, the the other one, by the way, the obvious other one I forgot. You know, surprise, surprise. LeBron James went to the Cleveland Cavaliers, his hometown. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, and yeah. Talk about like a savior for an organization. You're exactly right, Coach. Yeah, that's the that was that's another one of the most famous ones. Mm-hmm. But like the year later, 
everyone's like, hey, is it Andre Bargnani? Is it blah, blah, blah? Is it blah, blah, blah? Oh, okay, well, let's give Toronto the number one. Hey, Andre Bargnani really worked out. Okay, well, actually, though, the next year was Andrew Bogut, and he went to Milwaukee, and it was the same thing. Nobody knew who the number one pick was. So all of a sudden, like, the Bucks and Toronto are getting the number one overall pick. Mm-hmm. Not when Derrick Rose is available. <laughs> no freaking way. By the way, you mentioned Andre Bargiani, and it brings up, I heard a name brought to me yesterday uh, that I haven't heard for a while. Uh, certainly a player I very much appreciated while I was here in Chicago. But who, when, where, why, what happened to my guy and- Andres Nocioni? Is he still playing? Um, he, The last team he was on was the but I, that I can remember. Okay. But yeah, he's—I I actually do think he's in the NBA. Somebody's like eleventh or twelfth guy, but he's not on the Spurs anymore. I had kind of forgotten about him. I'm coaching in a little youth basketball program yesterday, and I kind of kidding with another coach with this player's a seventh grade kid, and I called him a you know a lunch bucket type player, lunch pail type player, and he looked at us kind of strange. He didn't know what that meant, so we had to explain to him that that was a compliment. What? you know, what it actually meant. And then my other coach brought up the name, are you familiar with NBA player Andres Nocioni, who he apparently felt was a lunch bucket type player. But the bottom line is it's just one of my favorite players that I haven't heard of in a long time. Yes, David? He is deep, 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 deep on the 76ers bench. Still on the Sixers? Yes. I was going to say, I thought that was years back. Wow. No, he played the last two seasons. Wow. Was he on the bench, Big Dog, in the uh, Sixer Bull series? I don't think I saw him. Yeah, he must have been. I, I, have a, I was working pretty much every single day of that. Uh, I, I've watched like 10 minutes of the Bulls versus Sixers series. Mm-hmm. He doesn't appear to be. He wasn't on the roster. Right. Doesn't look at uh, Actually, I take that back. He, uh, he only played 11 games for him this season. Wow. So may, maybe he got cut. I can see if I can look into that. As but. David said, deep, 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 deep on the back end of the bench. But uh, at any rate, Big Doe, you were talking about the conspiracy theory. So you... You uh, tend to be a believer that the ping pong balls don't always bounce by sheer coincidence. I I am not about to sit here and say that is totally 100% legit. When when obviously they fixed the 1985 draft lottery, the first one ever, mm-hmm. to make sure that New York, because back then there was 23 teams in the league. 16 teams made the playoffs just like today. So seven teams didn't make the playoffs. So those seven teams went in the draft lottery. And so... They, they used to do it in envelopes, not ping pong balls back then. Yep. And it's, it's coach, this is, I've seen it like a million times. The, the first one where they pull out the envelope, which ends up having the Knicks in it, the corner is bent. It's <laughs> obviously bent. On the, it's, it's, I'm not making this up. Yeah. You can just do a little research on it. It's, it's so blatantly obvious that if you ask the NBA about it, that if you ask, hey, David Stern, what about the corner that was bent on the envelope for the, in the 1985 draft lottery that the, they pulled the next one? Oh, oh, yeah, that was a great postcard. And he'll walk away, act like he never. I'm serious, Coach. They will not even address the question, the NBA. Conspiracy protagonist Joel Rodwanski joining us here on the show. Are you also of the mind, since you are a conspiracy protagonist, Big Dog, I think it was you last year who came out and you said that the uh, Scripps National Spelling Bee which is currently being shown on ESPN. You thought that was all fixed, too, correct? Uh, seriously, I, it just seems like they always give the easiest uh, They always give the easiest words to people of Indian descent. Yeah. I'm so watching on the screen now. I think a kid just got the word Brett. 
you know, some Indian kid got the word bread, and then some kid from uh, Pennsylvania comes up, and it's, you know, Ingliastic. It's a little strange. It's a little strange. You would think that it was just through hard work and smarts and perseverance why all the Indian people actually win these. No, it's because they get get lesser work. There must be some guy named Rijad who is like (laughs) that. Forty thousand dollars to the winner, youngest contender ever this year, big dog, in the Scripps National Spelling Bee. I was reading about her in the paper. Six years old, made the finals. Six years old. She finally got knocked out yesterday. Ah, uh, knocked out. Yeah. Okay. Thought you set up for a second. Wow, six years old. Well, but you know that's just she'll probably be dominant. She'll be the Kobayashi of uh, the the National Scripps Spelling Bee. By the We've time she's age before. nine or ten, We've seen this before. These 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 young punks. Oh, they fl- they flame uh, they out. Get a little, they get a little cocky. <laughs> you know, you know what I'm saying. And they, uh, next thing you know, they they can barely spell a ten letter word. You know, so I would. I mean, they get all like the phylas and they get all that other stuff down. But when it comes to like the Greek and the Latin, they, they get all, all confused in a couple years. Don't worry. <laughs> the spelling bee. You got the debate teams in school. I went to our honors and awards assembly at, at school, Big Dog. We got a pretty big high school, and they're giving out all these, you know, different clubs and organizations. Unbelievable the amount of varied interest there. Are. And there was one given out to the Mock Trial Club. Mock Trial Club. There's actually a Mock Trial Club. Is, is that specificity gone about two steps too far? No, because it's... The Mock Trial I mean, Club? Whole, as, as much as I can't stand lawyers... Uh, Today I was married to one, and I hung out with them all the time, and they thought they ruled the world, and they made it a point to let everybody know. Maybe you do, but be a little bit more tactful about it because I'm mm-hmm. hearing about it all the time. Um, but, you know, what? everybody, you have shop. You don't, you, there's nothing wrong with, uh, you know, if you have shops saying, hey, we're going to rebuild a car today, so this really isn't going to be your car, and we're not going to actually drive it and put children in it, but, hey, this is how you fix it. So you might as well, hey, if you want to be a lawyer, you want to go to law school, this is the type of stuff that you have to do. It's right. freaking a great idea. Join the mock trial club. There you go. There you go. 888-463-6748. Strangest club you ever joined in high school or college. Strangest club you were ever part of or maybe that you hurt that there was in your high school or college. I think our high school, Big Dog, has gone so uppity. I believe there's a cheese club in the high school. Yeah, you, you told me about this years ago. Yeah. A cheese club? you got to be kidding. How about at Downers Grove North? And, again, please keep it clean and keep it above board. Kids could be listening to the show. Any weird clubs you can think of or back in your days at McMurray College prior to the Raiders? No. No, no. Uh, I I got out of – I was never in any of the clubs in high school. Uh, and I was way, way, way too busy. I had – I worked 40 hours a week with the high school plus played all the sports. So I had no time for clubs. Uh but in, in college, I was in all kinds of them. You name it. You name it, Coach, I was in it. So uh, I was the president of our college, so that was the first and foremost thing. So after that, I had to be in all. And you name a club, I was in the club because I didn't work when I was in college. Mm-hmm. You know, all of a sudden, my, my mom was like, oh, why are you getting straight A's? I'm like, because I can study no mom. So it was uh, – As the president, know. did you have to – was there any clubs you tried to wipe out or get rid of? No, no, not at all. But I was, uh, I was the one who was, I wouldn't say behind or the impetus, but I definitely, when somebody came to me about it, 
but uh, and I can't even remember the name of it, and I don't want to mess it up because you'll think that I'm messing it up on purpose. But it was uh, like the open gay and lesbian club, yeah, like Ogle or something. They called it like it was not. It was they called it like Ogle. Ogle. Google, like like you were looking at somebody yeah, and you couldn't Google. believe what you were looking at. It was it was freaking hilarious what they yeah. called it. And I I got to get the whole name right, <laughs> uh-huh. and I got to get somebody from McMurray who was on it. And I'm not kidding you, a fellow football player who swears to this day that he was straight was the guy who opened it up. Was the guy who was like, hey, we need it. It's okay to be openly gay. You know, and he was a straight guy. That's cool. Football player. That's cool. And I, I like that. And I don't know if like he had a sister or uh-huh. a brother, and he just wanted to like show support. And I just thought that was like the coolest thing that some guy that had like yeah. a girlfriend was yeah. like, you know, we should have. No, I think that's outstanding that I know most high schools and colleges have a uh, some kind of. Uh, not Do you think that's okay in high school? Yeah, but but uh, I don't it's, think it's okay in high school. People that are you do or you don't. I don't. I don't think it's okay in high school. Let me ask really? you: Is it okay to have? Is it okay to have a heterosexual club in high school? Yeah, it's called the. Uh, it's called the lunchroom. Okay, well there you go. That's 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 uh, you should not have. No, it's, you know it's not. It's, you know exactly what I'm saying. I just don't think we should start getting into the. Oh, yeah, but I, if it's if it's I, I, if it's a minority, if it's a particular interest, special oh, interest, a minority, do whatever you want. If it's, cause it, whatever well, you want, whatever you want, if you got to do it. Don't 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 think about reason or logic. But it's it's because they've been oppressed. You have to do it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I but have, sometimes a minority needs to support each other because, by I, its very I nature, agree. huh? I, I I I agree, Coach, and I under, I understand that, and I'm not bashing minorities, okay? But I'm just trying to say, just because that, you just shouldn't say, "Oh, it's okay." It's a high school. Yeah, and but I think the club. As far as I'm concerned, you might be a 15 year old, and you might not have, uh, you know, you're having those things. You don't know where your 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 sexual orientation lies, and I right. can understand that, but. Uh, the idea of, first of all, there's way too much sex by teenagers in high school. There's far, far too much pregnancy. There's far too much all that. And if you're, you're almost encouraging that, like, pre, oh, like pre-college sex by, mm-hmm. like, saying, hey, we're going to have a class. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with being homosexual. Please don't. It's not what I'm trying to say. No, I think we, and I'm we... not saying you shouldn't even say if you are. You should be able to say it without taking any type of criticism. But to have an openly gay and lesbian group Club. in a high school does not make any sense, Coach. Well, I think it does. I think it does. It, it yeah, all that's depends. Really, you have a 14-year-old. So, yay, why, why am I looking no, at this? I it really depends. Oh, why do you find let's, here's, let's put you on a bunch of other boys that are 14. Well, I think it depends you know, how it's run, Big if, oh, if you First of all, every club... Every club in school has to have an adult sponsor. So the key is if you got a good adult guiding it and you got kids that are somewhat mature, you're right. If, if it's not run well and it kind of goes off the deep end without getting into the specifics, you're right. I could see that club being definitely inappropriate, I think would be the word to you. What I'm saying is, and I think in most schools it is done properly, it's a nice support group if you got a good adult group. Uh, adult person running it, and I started by prefacing a, uh, based on your comment about the football player. How cool is it for the few? I'm sure there's not many, but the few straight people that actually are strong enough in their conviction to go and be part of a club like that to help those kids and get to know those kids. I think that's kind of cool for a straight guy to uh, at least have some association with the gay and lesbian organization. I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. Okay, and uh, 
By the way, that, that football player is the worst football player in the history of McMurray <laughs> College. And I, I've told you the story about this guy before. This guy was named as Robert Nickman, okay? And he was a horrible football player in high school. And there happened to be another Robert Nickman in Texas who was one of the top football players in Texas. <laughs> he got a letter and just came to McMurray. And they were like, this wasn't the same. You're, you're five foot eight, 107 pounds and slow and white. Robert Nickman, 6'3, 265, fast and black. So they got the Robert Nickman's messed up, coach. Mixed up. And ever since he came to McMurray, he felt he had to make his own statement. Uh-huh. But, but the whole thing, I don't know if I want to keep on talking about the high school thing, but honestly, if you're not going to have, when it comes to, if you're open, I mean, if you're gay or lesbian, it's your sexual orientation. Okay. And I don't, I don't want to change anybody. Yep. If you feel you that way, you can go ahead. But if you had a club that was based on, hey, let's, Let's base it on this sexual orientation, and it was heterosexual. Oh, you can't do that. You put all these kids together, and blah, blah, blah. It's the same way. Just because somebody has been persecuted or treated improperly because they were of a different sexual orientation does not mean between the ages of 14 and 17 they should have a group put together at a high school for them. Mm-hmm. That, that's, that's just two wrongs don't make a right type of situation. And trust me, them being bastardized and made fun of and ridiculed a lot worse than them getting a group them and like I'm putting like weapon them but that's that's what we're talking about mm-hmm. that I think there needs to, sensitivity should not be over, outrule reasonability every once in a while coach is all I'm saying mm-hmm. all right point well taken point well taken I'm not necessarily agreeing with it but point well taken big dog and a coach here in the two guys at a mic show phone lines open if you want to check in uh uh, topics on the docket so far in the first scintillating 30 minutes of the show. A, Big Dog's, um, we haven't seen the pictures, but apparently an old photograph of him appearing in Parks and Recreation Outdoor Magazine wearing nothing but a fanny pack. B, the controversy of the final calls in the Heat Celtics game. C, the spelling bee, the Scripps National spelling bee. And D, is it right or is it wrong to have in high school a gay and lesbian organization, whatever the name might be. How's that for a variety of topics in the first 30 minutes of our show? 888-463-6748. But, Big Doe, with your permission, I would like to add a fifth topic to the discussion, and that would be the fine sport of baseball. Uh, please, because we got the – first for first and foremost, we're not talking about them too much. My Cubs are finally getting off the mat. They played a team that they were just as good at as and actually played a couple good games and executed in key situations and got a sweep against a very bad team. Thank you very much, Cubs. I, I, 63 wins. Remember that, Cubby. 63 wins. That means less than 100 losses. And then on the <laughs> other side of town, a team that was the best team in the division and picked to win it last year comes back with exactly the same team with a, an addition here or there, and all of a sudden they're freaking awesome, and now they're playing as well as any team in the American League besides the, the best team in the American League, the Texas Rangers. Who, by the way, lost to the Dallas, uh, to the Seattle Seahawks yesterday, twenty-one to eight. That's another thing. But wow, man, the, the White Sox are playing really, really solid baseball yesterday, and I, I hope you got a chance to watch the game because one of the greatest hawk rants of all time happened during yesterday's ball game. Did you get a chance to see it, Coach? I uh, got a chance to hear it. I think everybody heard it. They're playing it not only locally but nationally. So yeah, I heard oh. the whole thing. What the hell is going on? I love, I love when, whenever he gives a what the hell is going on. Yeah, that's good. You got to be bleeping me. 
saying Chuck Wagner should be out of Major League Baseball, the worst umpire in the American League. We're like, don't hold back. And you know what's funny is if Steve Stone would have been in the booth, he would have at least been able to say something that would have made sense, and he would have, Hawk Harrelson would have had to temper down because at least he knows that there's a, a baseball guy with some attitude to control him a little bit in the booth. Yep. Wimpy is so afraid. Tom Pachork, who was doing the games in Tampa, is so afraid of Hawk Harrelson that he will never disagree with him. Now, one time, I watched three baseball games, Hawk, uh, Hawk and Wimpy. Now, one time did yeah. Tom Pachork correct him, stop him, or even like, hey, slow down, Hawk, you're going a little overboard right now. Yeah, I, I like Tom Pachork, but that's why they call him Wimpy, maybe. But uh, you're exactly right. He didn't, and I, I was so wishing that Steve Stone would have been in there. I would have loved to heard uh, how he would have handled that, but uh, you know, my my hawk love is getting less and less over the years, big dog. And to me, that rant was way over the top, way over exaggerated. It was a shaky call, probably not a good one by the ump, but it wasn't nearly as bad as Hawk was making it out to be. I thought he sounded, for the most part, like a well, I won't say a complete idiot, but about a seventy-two point five percent idiot in his rant against the umpire. I'm not a big Hawk Harrelson fan anymore. No, no, I, I have. I have gone more and more. Like he's been a joke of himself, is, is what he is. And like you know, Hawks, like Black Sox, White Sox fans sometimes are like, "Oh, you just hate him because he chose it like it is." And no, no, he's a hard listen. I watch all 31 teams, and I will be more than happy to listen to their broadcast. And it, and like it's just not that they're White Sox that I don't like them. I literally will watch them to laugh at Hawk Harrelson. I'm not laughing with him. The guy is so unadulterated, biased, and really, when he says he just, that guy doesn't know what's going on in baseball, you know, Hawk Harrelson just it, during the show made so many stupid quotes. He said one time during the show, Diane Vincaiato is without question. You could take anybody in the American League, and he's stronger than that guy. I'm like, oh, he doesn't realize that Prince Fielder's in the American League now. He doesn't realize that Adam Dunn's in the same freaking locker room as Diane Vincaiato. But yeah, Wimpy doesn't say anything. Just let him go. Let him go. Uh, the MLB Network changes right in the middle of their two to four rundown show that they have every day. They mm-hmm. just go directly. They're like, "Hey, you guys got to hear what Hawk Harrelson's saying in Tampa." And they all the guys that are on the, like they they just start laughing, and then they they sh- they hear the rant, and then they come back. And I just love Mitch Williams on the first <laughs> one. He's like, "Why is why is Hawk Harrelson so mad? He should be mad at the pitcher." If you throw behind somebody, you get thrown out in Major League Baseball. If you really wanted to hit him and make it look like you weren't hitting him, you'd actually hit him. Yeah, so or brush him, behind, brush him yeah. back on the ends. I like the fact he threw low, first of all. We both talked about this before. Agreed. Never yeah. throw high. So that was good, and maybe he shouldn't have got thrown out because even though it was behind the batter, it was low. But, yeah, brush him back or, or hit him yeah. a little bit down low. Don't throw behind him. Yeah, because if you throw behind them, you're basically saying yes. F you to all the rules in Major League Baseball. And and Major League Baseball would rather have you hit somebody, tip their cat, and save cap, and say we did it on accident, than have you throw the ball blatantly behind somebody and be like, yes, this is baseball and we want retribution. Mm-hmm. And that might sound crazy. You would think, well, the guy got hit in the first one. In, in the whole sense of the word, it, it, when you think about reason, you're right. Actually, what the White Sox pitcher did was better because he didn't hit him. But the umpire had no – you have no option. If you blatantly throw at somebody, you have to be thrown out of the game. So when Hawk Harrelson's yelling, he doesn't even know the game of baseball. I guess you don't, Hawk, because he threw the ball two <laughs> feet behind the dude. Well, I mean, honestly, he, if he's going to sit there yep. and act like Wagner's got his head up his butt, 
quit talking with his head up his ass at the time he's doing it. Just thought I'd say it. Hulk Harrelson, I mean, you're make you're a caricature of yourself. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. And the sad the sad thing is, like you said, he takes you know if he had a little bit of humor, you could kind of laugh with him. But he takes himself perfectly serious, so it forces us that disagree with him to laugh at him, not yeah. with him. And and I'm with you. You know, he says Wagner doesn't know baseball. Hey. You don't know baseball that well either, Hawk, and who knows? Who knows what the manager said or what the uh, umpire said to both managers? Maybe there was a specific warning that was given that Hawk would not be aware of. So he's ranting and, and, and raving and calling for this guy to be ousted and sent down to the AAA. He has no clue of all the facts of what went on. Maybe it was perfectly exactly, legitimate. Exactly right. Exactly. And, and he goes into, you know, Mark Wagner is always screwing us every time. He, he umpires the game. He screws us. It was yeah. funny because at the beginning of yesterday's game, he said this has been a this has been a perfectly umpire game as yeah. the White Sox or a series as the White Sox have have won the first two games. Oh, it's funny that they'd won the first two games. Everything was fine. Okay. Yeah. He could. Yeah. He needs to to go away. I had another real funny point to bring up about it, and I can't think what it is now. I, I, <laughs> the, the man, uh, he just tries to. Here, here's what it is. The other day, it was yesterday. David Kaplan on Chicago Sports uh, or Chicago Tribune Live, whatever the heck they call that show, talks about he's like, do you know how much hate mail I've gotten when I said that Josh Hamilton was the MVP by White Sox fans, and they are they are like writing emails to him, being like you're a blankety blank Paul Konerko's the MVP, and it's just because you're a Cubs fan. I mean, the Hawk Harrelson's crying and whining, and everybody is against us mentality. And of course, they've turned White Sox into a bunch of crybaby nation. The idea that someone would actually take the time to write an email, more than one, like dozens of people, to write a hate email to David Kaplan because he thinks Josh Hamilton is the best player in the American League so far this year. How much of a life do you have? And by the way, uh, Coach, who's having a better season this year, Josh Hamilton or Paul Konerko? And both of us are huge Paul Konerko fans, aren't we? Yeah, huge, and- right? And White Sox fans, there's no question. Josh, Josh Hamilton, the first two months of the season, he's having one of the greatest first two months of any baseball player in recent memory. Yeah, so you're going to write hate mail to a Cubs yep. fan because he thinks Josh Hamilton is ahead of Paul Konerko in the MVP race? It's, it's, it's Hawks mentality. You know what? People say, oh, all the Cubs care about is having a good time, and blah, because it's because Harry Carey loved the Cubs win or lose. And Eric Carey rooted for the Cubs. And when he watched the game, if the Cubs were losing, he would make fun of the Cubs. He would make fun of the game of baseball. He'd have fun at it. So all of a sudden, like, the Cubs fandom has taken the attitude of, hey, you know what? I've got a real life. And when I watch Cub games, that'll end up being my getaway distraction. And hopefully one day they'll win. But when you watch White Sox games and you're a White Sox fan, it's Ken Harrelson for nine innings. So they're all against us. They're all against us. Oh, you know. This umpire hate us. Oh, Joe West. Oh, no. Oh, country Joe West. You know the White Sox are made it. Did you see that ball outside? That was a strike, Stoney. And because of this, a whole momentum change will happen in this game. And if the Sox lose, it's because of that call. He'll say stuff like that. If you watch the game, he'll use the term momentum change by the umpire's decision. It never works in the Sox way, though. It's kind of strange. The Sox have not gotten a call since he's been the, the play-by-play guy <laughs> in the booth. If you're willing to say, hey, that umpire screwed us, you got to be willing to say, hey, we just got a lucky call, and yeah. as a team, we need to take advantage of it. And that's what I always do. Like When I would yeah. play football, I'd be like, hey, guys, we just got a break. 
Yep. Uh, let's take advantage of this thing. Yeah. By the way, Stacy King, to a lesser degree, could take an example of what you just said too. He's he's becoming a little bit like that too. Yeah. If it's if it's a good call, admit it. A fortuitous call for your team, and uh, not every call against your team is a bad call. Absolutely correct. Unless we forget, big dog. Lest we forget Hawk Harrelson, Mr. Know-It-All, mm-hmm. when he was running the Chicago White Sox as a general manager, absolutely yeah. brutismal. Just thought I'd you throw that what? in there. It's a long time oh, ago. But, uh, he, you know, Mr. Decision Maker making the personnel changes, he was brutal as a general manager of our Chicago White Sox. Yeah, he traded Bobby Bonilla for Jose DeLeon. If anybody knows what happened with that trade, Bobby Bonilla hit about 300 home runs for the Pirates and led them to three division titles. And Jose, Jose DeLeon almost killed a couple people in the outfield as he pitched for the Chicago White Sox. Didn't Jose DeLeon go on some kind of excursion where they discovered stuff in America? That's Ponce, you know, de, Leon. Ponce de Leon. Yes. Darn. And it was, he was the Pacific Ocean guy, Ponce de Leon. <laughs> He was, yeah. I mean, yeah. that, that, that Ponce de Leon is one of my favorites. Little, you know, very few people know this, but Ponce de Leon would not have discovered all that if he would have had a third pitch. Because his fastball and curve was pretty good. He could not get that third pitch over the plate, big dog, and then he went into uh, discovering as a profession. Little known fact. I thought I'd throw it out there. Yeah, and, you know, I, I thoroughly forgot about that. Yes. I have to remind myself that, Whenever I get into the Hawk Harrelson bashion is to bring up his yes. uh, his 18-month stint as the GM of the Chicago White Sox. Yeah, it was not a, not a pretty stint. By the way, back on the field, the White Sox, so let's not get all negative here. Sox playing great baseball, beat Tampa Bay 4-3, to bring out the brooms again, second consecutive sweep, eight in a row, 12 out of 13, playing outstanding baseball. Viciedo again, big dog, with three hits and uh, that young bullpen. The young bullpen comes through again. Addison Reed, another save. So uh, on the field, forget about the announcers. Things looking awfully good for the White Sox. Yeah, forget the the stats of the White Sox bullpen because some of those guys' numbers are like mind-boggling good, and some of them are like like Addison Reed. You're like, is he a raise up a four? It seems like Addison Reed always pitches dominant when they have a one-run lead. He's holding on to something. That kid, I like his moxie so far, Coach. The the White Sox have themselves. Some with that, and I, and I liked it the other day when, uh, you know, he came into the game in a tough situation, and they're, you know, what you think? And he's like, all I was thinking was, we can't let Chris Sale's performance go to waste. I really got to pick up my teammate right yep. here. Like, wow, you're 22 years old saying stuff like that. I mean, it takes other people 10 years to figure out, like, hey, it's a team effort, and let's pick your teammates up and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, like, this stuff like saying, I don't want to let my teammates down. I think the White Sox have themselves a pretty good uh, – he might be their closer coach because he can flat out throw the ball. It gets on you. Adam Dunn, by the way, uh, 0 for 5, four strikeouts for Adam Dunn. So the strikeout, the K-Watch is still on for uh, Adam Dunn. No home runs yesterday. White Sox win it. Beloved Cubs, though, uh, coming up with a nice victory. Big Doe, they battled back. They were up first, and they lost the lead. But they do pull off the sweep, 12-game losing streak. A distant memory now. Three-game winning streak, big dog. Darwin Barney with the two-run homer, walk off to win it. This could be, this could be our year, Joe Radwanski. Uh, you know, it's so funny that you said that because, uh, <laughs> so as it happens, like you know, Claudia and I did the whole. We literally jumped into each other's arm and jumped off after the walk off, and then we stopped for a second. <laughs> we're like, okay, this might be the last time all year we do this, and we kind of laughed. We didn't even say anything, and then we we just looked at each other and just watched the interview, and then Darwin Barney. Said this line, hey, 
we're starting to play a lot better baseball in this division. You never know what could happen. There you go. Uh, <laughs> hey, he's a cub. You got to love the optimist. He also said, first time in his life, little league, junior high, high school, whatever minor league uh, level, whatever you know, uh, post high school career he had. I don't know the whole Darwin Barney profile. First time ever with a walk off home run. So I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, I got to give Mama Redlansky on. That's what I was known for. I know you always make fun of me that I couldn't play baseball, but throughout my whether it was like instructional, all the way through like the travel and leagues with with Woodridge. I had all kinds of walk-offs. I got I got to get one of those. When I was like eight years old, I actually called my shot one time as a walk-off. Really? Yes. Mr. Petschke was throwing me the, the oh, it's good stuff, Coach. <laughs> Highlight of my athletic career, Big Dog, getting a walk-off single to win the game in a 16-inch softball game. That's a very negative view of my athletic career, but that was one of the highlights. Uh, it much. wasn't the hit batsman that drove in a run? Who, me? Yeah. In 16 in softball, they don't have hit spacemen. I tried, but uh, unfortunately, that's not the, they don't give you a walk in 16 in softball. Well, yeah, that's too bad. Yeah, my baseball, my, my brief, brief baseball. I told you about this when I was young. Just showing my age, we really didn't. We did, we had no little league baseball in our in our town. So it was basically just organized. There were like four teams, organized uh-huh. by parents. Little neighborhood teams. I don't know. We didn't have uniforms, I don't think. Maybe a T-shirt. But that was about it. Got a hit in my first game. Was feeling pretty good about it. And then the rest of the season, I don't think I got a hit the entire year. I don't feel bad. The, the year, okay, so I had the year in the structural league. I have walk-offs on consecutive games. Everything is cool. The next year, the same thing happened to me. I went one for 16. And I was on a team that had everybody ridiculed everybody and made fun of people. We went 0 and 17. <laughs> we went our we were 0 and 17 was our record, coach. Yeah, oh boy. And what what age team, was this? This was the nine and ten year. Oh, group. that can be team. tough. At age it nine and ten, time. that's a rough thing to go through. The next year, when like Andy Leeper and Derek Chesney, all these kids that would like ridicule all. I mean, like literally, I, I, I was like, Dad, I don't want to go to this game because blah 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 would happen. He's like, You got to toughen up. Well, I eventually beat up the kid at the end of the year. No <laughs> joke. Like, beat him up. And and then the next year, same exact team. We just got rid of the older kids. We went 10-7, and seven and I hit over 500. But that was when I year 10, so hitting over 500 wasn't that big of a deal. Uh-huh. So it's like that's – and the next year, like, Mr. Pesky, who was also my coach that year, like, he just kept on it all year. He would always use me. And, like, I've seen him years later. He's like, I would use you as an example 20 years later. That a guy went from hitting 063 to hitting over 500. The there you go. Season. I hit 063, coach. There you and go. That, Amazing. I, age of from 10 to 11. What a little bit of confidence. What some instruction from your parents and a little bit of uh, encouragement from your leaper. coach, and also taking a little, you know, a few of those pills right before the game. It's amazing what those things will do. At and age and 11. not having Andy Leeper on the bench, so when I have two strikes on me, he starts screaming from my own dugout, he's going to strike out again! <laughs> there was, I can't even the hell that I went through that year, and eventually I just snapped, and there I was on top of Andy Leeper in our dugout dropping bombs on him. And yeah. his dad had to pull me off. And then when my dad found out that Andy Leeper's dad pulled me off of him, mm-hmm. Andy Leeper's dad never showed up at our baseball games anymore. Because my dad basically let everybody know he was going to kill this dude. Andy and Leifer, just, uh, if you're out there, this. if any member of the Leifer families are out there, I'd like confirmation of this particular story. Give us a call, Andy Leifer. 
888-463-6748. If you're not Andy Leifer, you'd like to play the part of Andy Leifer, we'll take that too. Give us a call, 888-463-6748. By the way, speaking of baseball fights, you had mentioned the Indiana-Purdue fight. I finally YouTubed it, and it's interesting, big deal. College baseball, pretty big fight. Some guys got thrown out, Big Ten championship game. If you watch the replay, and I watched it about three, four times, the the guy slid hard into third. The third baseman's reaction was very normal, in my opinion. He shoved the guy, pushed the guy, was ready to give him a headlock, but he started to separate. Nothing would have happened. Nothing. Would, all of a sudden, the benches come flying in, particularly the uh, Indiana team, I believe, and they basically, like a swarm, pushed the guy back into the run, and then all of a sudden, all hell broke loose. If the benches would not have come out, there would have been no incident. The two guys actually were were not going to fight. They were going to break up, and then all of a sudden the swarm came out, and the mob mentality took over. Okay, the first thing I tell you is, so uh, you said Indiana, and you said that big-time championship game, right? Yeah. So they were playing Purdue, weren't they? Yeah. I was. I fell asleep the other night. Indiana was trailing Michigan State in the eighth inning by four runs to get to the Big Ten championship game. You're telling me Indiana came back and won that game, and I fell asleep and didn't get to see the end of it. Oh, I, I'm pretty goodness. sure it was Indiana and Purdue in the championship. So, so, so. I, I believe you because it's uh, you said in, you said Indiana. I was watching Indiana Michigan State. And I was like, oh, this game is over, and I fell asleep. Mm-hmm. So you're, oh, I missed the freaking game and a half. They must have scored like four runs in the last inning wow. in order to get to the final game. Now, who won? Who won? Purdue or Indiana? Purdue won by a run. They deserve to, by the I way. I thought you were the one who told me about the fight, though. No, I didn't tell you about the oh, fight. Oh, I thought you did. No, I did not. Oh, okay. Well, I then, did not, then, I did then. Not, I, did, I, I was trying to watch the Big Time Championship game this year, and I didn't get to see right. it. Well, and do I, me I, a. I with Michigan State Purdue, not Indiana Purdue. All right. Well, when you get a chance, I thought it was you. That's why I brought it up. I apologize. But but get a chance, watch it, and see if you see the same thing I do that, that the fight would have totally. It would have been a non entity, and all of a sudden, the. Just the the swarm of the benches all meshed into each other, and then all hell breaks loose. It, it, it'll be on at least seven times today, and it'll probably be on right in between the, the Mike Stoops biography of his time as offensive coordinator <laughs> at the University of Iowa. <laughs> I'll be looking for that. Right, I'll good. be looking for that. Eight 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 four six three six seven four eight. It was nice to say. I started opening the show, Big Dog, by saying Cubs win, Sox win again, and I. I told David Olson, I don't know how many times we're going to say that this year again. Cubs win, Sox win again. It was a good day of baseball yesterday. It's going to, it's going to continue to happen. Don't forget those. The Cubs, over the next like 20 days, have the easiest part of their schedule for the season. Yeah. So don't expect that the Cubs should win some games over the next couple weeks. They're not playing. Uh, they had a real rough schedule. You have to admit when they were, when they lost the 12 games. They're on the road though. They got a 10 game road streak. Of course, they probably play better on the road. I'm not, yeah, I'm not worried about that. They go to the left coast and they come back and they take, I was at Milwaukee, then Minnesota. Yep. Yeah, it's, uh, I real, real, real up for those guys flying first class across the country, staying in yeah. five star hotels and having to work four hours a, a day, yeah. three of them actually playing. Oh. By the right way, a little little underrated your point well taken. By the way, your underrated part of the uh, Cubs game. Yeah, Barney hit the two run homer, but to some extent, score was six six, pressure was off. Uh, underrated part of that game in the eighth inning, Reed Johnson gets a base hit. Tony Campana comes into pinch run, two outs, nobody on. Reed Johnson gets the base hit, mm-hmm. and we're still at this point down a run. 
and Campana comes in pinch run on a pitch out. He steals second base. So they knew he was going to steal. They predicted still couldn't get him. Then he catches the pitcher sleep and steals third base. And at an infield hit, big dog, he gets home. That was a big run, and it allowed Darwin Barney and the rest of the Cubs to be a little more relaxed. You know as well as I do, when you're hitting at a tie game bottom of nine, totally different than if you're down a run. Tony Campana, unsung hero of the game yesterday. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, he stole second. And then on the next pitch, he stole third. And typically, you don't steal third with two outs. But let's face it, Starlin Castro, if he wasn't number one in Major League Baseball last year, he was. I know he was number one in the National League for infield hits. You don't score from second on infield hits. And if they're giving you third base and Starlin Castro's up, like if Brian Meher is up or Alfonso Soriano, you stay at second base. It was a real smart play to steal third base because the next play is an infield ground ball that Starlin Castro hustled the whole time, not just when he realized it was a play. And he beat it out, and that's the difference. That ties the game up, Coach. So Mm -hmm. uh, a couple non-conventional things, I guess, like stealing third, you know, really, really helped the Cubs right there. Mm -hmm. And uh, a a thing on the pitch out, why? you know what it is? People, when they throw the pitch out and the guy's stealing, I think they relax, like, hey, we got him. I think that's when you need to even execute even faster sometimes. I mean, you're giving up the fact you're going to throw a strike to a batter, so don't just assume you're going to get the guy out. I think I've seen more people steal successfully on pitch outs over the last year than I ever have in my whole entire life of baseball. Mm-hmm. And you got to throw the pitch out hard, too. You can't just yeah. lob it in there because the guy's stealing. It, it, hey, well, the, the pitcher at the time, it wasn't Andrew Kashner. At least I don't think it was Kashner. Yeah, I think it was. It, it was, was Kashner. He oh, yeah. took his time. He took his time. Like, hey, I'm just going to make sure I make a nice, firm throw. Yep. And it was a split second too late, and that was mm-hmm. the split second. You're, you're right about the you got to make it fast, too. Yep. All right, very good. Bad news for you, Big Dog. I know a couple of days ago the uh, French Open half begun the great tennis tournament at Roland Burris Stadium. That's what we call it here in Chicago, even though it's actually named Roland Garros Stadium. Venus uh, Serena Williams knocked out in round one. I hate to bring the news to you, Big Dog, if you haven't seen it, but the other half of the sister combination knocked out yesterday. Venus Williams, done. In the French Open. Oh, I don't know what I'll do. Please tell me there's at least at least one Radwanska left, Coach. Well, yeah, I think she got beaten by Agnieszka Radwanska, so I'll make your day here. There's two Radwanskas still. I don't know if they're related. Still um, got to find that out. Like, uh, I would I would doubt it. Radwanski, we were a pretty big clan in Poland. Yes. Back in the day. And and my, my uncle... Uh, my great uncle was like the head of it. My great grandfather was a big key uncle, to it. Uncle Radwanska? Radwanski. My aunt Radwanska was all good. So. <laughs> By the way, speaking of Poland, David Olson, our uh, political pundit over there, they're apparently, and I'm not really knowledgeable on this, but some controversial comments that Barack Obama made uh, about Poland, big dog. You a member somewhat of the Polish community, dog? Are you. Familiar with what I'm talking about. Yeah, absolutely. See, what has happened is throughout the history since World War II, there's been a lot of people, oh, the Holocaust against the Jews, and and people don't realize that just as many Poles that had no idea whether you were Jewish or Catholic or whatever were <laughs> put in camps and killed. No one ever talks about it. It's always, hey, they, we killed a bunch of Jewish people. And then Barack Obama called them the Polish death camp. And people tend to associate just Jews being getting killed and not polish people so it's like real like 
if you're Polish, you're always like, why don't people ever talk about us? There was there was like 4.5 million Polish people that weren't Jewish that were put in concentration camps. So why killed. are the Polish people upset because, with that? Because Barack Obama called them Polish death camps, like you would call a Nazi death camp. And so they were like, well, hey, why are you calling a why are you calling a Polish death camp? They're like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah slip of the tongue. It's basically what they said. So the Polish were like, really? Is that, so I thought you just said there were a lot of Polish people that were killed. So wasn't he making the point that the, he, he that is the point he was trying to make, but it was written poorly, and he's catching a lot of flack for it because the way it was phrased, it sounded like it was the Polish people that were oh, running the death camps, not okay. the Polish yeah. people oh, that were in the uh, death camps. Uh, non controversy. Yeah, well, hold, hold on, coach. Yeah, oh, coach. Whatever. Because it's your guy. It's your guy, Barack Obama. It's my the guy. The whole point is this. Hold on a second. If you want to learn about something. The whole sensitivity factor comes from the simple fact that you probably had no idea that there were millions of Polish people that weren't Jewish that were killed by the Nazis and by the Russians. Nobody brings this up, so it's like kind of like if what? you're a Pole, you know, it's like how come people don't bring this up? It's always oh, in World War II the Jews were treated horribly. No one brings up the Pole. Well, Barack was Barack was trying to bring it up. Okay. That's, what, that's what Barack was doing. He was bringing, he was well, making the, that point. Point is, uh, but the, no, what really what really PO'd everybody was the apology. The apology was like basically like oh yeah whatever get it like get rid of it. that's what really upset everybody. It wasn't the initial thing; it was the apology. Okay. All right, All right. we got to we got to talk about it more, big dog. We got to wrap it up. I'll give you the last no, word. We don't need friend. to talk anymore about that because I'll get extremely angry, real <laughs> angry, and it has nothing to do with Barack Obama's misstatement. It's about to do with like the whole brushing off of the fact that how many Polish people were killed in concentration camps. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like nobody ever brings it up ever. Mm-hmm. Interesting. All right, dog. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Cubs win, Sox win. Peace out. Actually, they won't because there's no games today. Thanks for listening, everybody. Two guys in a bike. TalkZone.com. Signing off Friday. We'll do it all over again. 10 o'clock. Don't be late.